Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hello, thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics and themes through a reflection of health system pharmacy. We will discuss the direction of pharmacy technician practice, including the perspectives of technician leaders with regards to opportunities, challenges, to promote a preparedness for change and resilience to meet the demands of a growing healthcare enterprise. In the 2022 ASHP Foundation Pharmacy Forecast, new opportunities for technician roles and leadership were predicted by forecast panelists to continue emerging, defining a greater need of a health system infrastructure to support the long-term sustainability of pharmacy technician roles. My name is Niaz Dehim, and I'm a pharmacy administrative specialist at Houston Methodist Hospital. Hi, and my name is Doug Fisher, and I am a Director of Pharmacy at Atrium Health in Charlotte, North Carolina. We will be your co-host today for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. With us are our esteemed guests, Justin Wingy, Technical Operations Manager at Atrium Health in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Nicole DeWorth, a Pharmacy Technician Supervisor and Compliance Coordinator for University Hospitals in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining us, Justin and Nicole. Let's get started with today's topic, Pharmacy Technician Practice Vision, a roundtable conversation of future directions, challenges, and incentives. So Justin, Nicole, please tell us, how do you feel that the COVID-19 pandemic affected technical operations at your institution? So the COVID-19 pandemic has been a huge challenge. Every day, you know, pharmacy technicians were put under a immense amount of stress due to the growing patient needs while working through staffing shortages and working in a high-risk environment for infection. The stress levels have definitely increased due to the staffing shortages. To piggyback on that, just some of the things that we had to change and adapt to while going through this really obviously put a lot of stress on the team, but things like going to seven on, seven off and breaking our staff basically in half. So we always had a fresh team and backup if something happened with COVID, with the outbreak. We had to really adapt daily with teammates that were out being tested. And Atrium Health did an excellent job at how they did their testing protocols and when teammates could come back to work and get cleared. But every day for us was treated kind of like a snow day where you're coming in and you don't know who you're going to have. And you really had to adapt the schedule and move people around. And it put a lot of stress on our team. We did an amazing job. I'm extremely proud of our team, but there was a lot of things that had to change daily as well as us optimizing and realizing better ways to do Omnicell deliveries and our batches for IV products. So it really forced us to kind of look outside the box on how can we better utilize our teammates Yeah, great, great feedback on that question. And kind of keeping along the same line there, how was the pharmacy technician training or staffing program adapted at your institution for COVID-19? Like, what were some of the key changes, lessons learned, or strategies that you're going to retain moving forward? Like I spoke about, some of the things we had to do for almost a full year was that seven on, seven off breaking of our pharmacists and our pharmacy technicians. So we always, like I spoke about before, had a fresh team. Some of the things that we had to change as far as training was obviously with that, if you were onboarding a teammate, you had to put them on one of the weeks. You couldn't have them cross over. So it was kind of explaining to a new teammate or onboarder 
that, hey, you know, this is for your safety and for the team's safety. We really spent a lot of time training in the first couple weeks on one specific location. That way, if we had a lot of people that had to be out, we were able to utilize them in that location. And then if we were lucky enough that we didn't have people out, we were able to get their training finished on the other areas. So that was one thing we kind of changed. And at the time coming out of the meat of the pandemic, we started to move more towards a divisional wide training program for technicians to train actually here at our mothership for Atrium Health Carolina's Medical Center. So it kind of forced us to really, again, look outside the box and say, hey, is there a better way we can do training at a system level? And here at UH, you know, we actually rolled out a pharmacy technician onboarding program because we were, you know, not getting a lot of candidates through the recruitment pool. This allowed us to kind of do an in-house 16-week training course to keep, to utilize staff back into the UH organization. So that has helped some as well. There have certainly been a lot of challenges highlighted during the past couple of years or so by the COVID-19 pandemic. How do you feel that your institution and department leadership supported technicians to feel valued and resilient despite the thing workforce and stresses of the pandemic? So I think here at UH, one of the things that I found really unique was that we have implemented a second victims training. Basically, you know, it's to train employees how to train their peers. It's almost like an emotional first aid. When burnout and stress levels get high, this helps our staff to recognize the warning signs. And a lot of times with staff, you know, viewing all of the negative effects that COVID-19 has had for patients, you know, staff see these patients when they're, you know, delivering medication. So this helps to provide a method to help decrease, you know, any sort of stress, physical, emotional, you know, or any type of event that they may have seen and been traumatized by. So I really did think that that was a wonderful program that UH rolled out. And here at Atrium, and specifically our hospital, our leadership team really tried to get out and help as much as possible. Not that we don't always help, but the things you end up hearing the team get back to you and say that they're appreciative of a lot of times is, hey, you just took one of my carts for me or you did a run for me. So we really tried to get everybody involved with, hey, we're all in this together you know, a lot of times our time's eaten up with meetings or other system level needs. And we tried our best to limit that, limit as many go lives as we possibly could. There were certain things that we had to do, obviously, but we really tried to just get in, get into the trenches with the team and show them that we're all in this together. Nobody's going to be treated any differently. You know, there were teammate concerns with delivering to certain units that maybe have been a COVID hot unit. And by the leadership team kind of taking some of that, it showed them, hey, this is going to be okay. And then more on a atrium global level, one of the great things they did to show support for teammates is while we were going through that seven on seven off transition, if we were able to send teammates home early And Atrium Health basically QS their time card to 80 hours, so they didn't have to use PTO. It was a great way of us kind of balancing, hey, you know, this group, we were able to get out of here a little bit earlier yesterday. This group, we can get out of here a little bit earlier today. And that was a huge win with our team, not having to use their PTO, and they were able to get away and spend time with their family. Yeah, those are some great tips, I think, for listeners here to kind of take with them. 
We're going to shift gears a little bit and talk focused on pharmacy technician recruitment and training. So the next question would be, how can your recruitment efforts be successful when the talent pool lacks years of experience? What has your institution done? What sort of strategies have they taken to recruit in this labor environment? I've been doing this a long time, and it's definitely been the most difficult time as far as finding qualified teammates and that really good person you want to bring on board. So, and it's not just even as we've started to kind of come out of the back end of the pandemic a little bit. We're in Charlotte, North Carolina, where there's a growing need for folks in that pay range of what a pharmacy technician pay range is. So you're really fighting even against a multitude of companies, not just healthcare companies for that talent. So one of the things we were able to do, we were able to implement sign-on bonuses and referral bonuses for anybody that you wanted to bring forward of, hey, I've got this person I used to work with. I really vouch for him and really think that's a good teammate that we should bring on board. So that really worked out great. And for myself and for our interview committee, really what we had to transition to do was look more for fit and personality more than years of experience. And just if you felt like the teammate could grasp the concepts, even if they didn't have the experience, hey, did we like their personality? Did we feel like they'd be a good fit? And what that really led to was a lot more interviews than traditionally we'd have to do. So you had to really get a wide path of applicants that we were able to look at. And that probably is something that we will do going forward. Sometimes we would get done with five interviews and pick between them, but now looking at 10 to 15, it's worked a lot better for us. Recruitment definitely has had a very tough time, you know, these past two years obtaining viable candidates. UH as well has offered technician sign-on bonuses, referral bonuses. We've brought in the National Guard, staffed pharmacists as technicians. We've actually, you know, even partnered with staffing agencies. It's kind of unique in this time because they're actually responding back that they don't have any vendor partner candidate submittals. So a lot of what's happening is that one of our biggest contending issues right now is the increase in travel technicians. Certainly quite a bit of challenges that are experienced, I'm sure, quite across the country and definitely appreciate sharing big recruitment efforts that have been very successful at your institutions. So now shifting a bit to legislative updates, I know that's been a hot topic during the past couple of years. What may be some new legislative updates for your states in terms of with mandatory forms technician registration, licensure, or national certification? And how may this affect the pharmacy technician practice pathway moving forward? So here at University Hospitals in Cleveland, Ohio, one of the things that actually kind of started more towards the beginning of the pandemic was the authorization of registered pharmacy technicians and pharmacy technician trainees to stock our automated pharmacy systems and drug storage systems. So that was like one of the first things that occurred. You know, we then had where pharmacy technicians were able to start administering vaccines during the pandemic, which, you know, previously was not something that was allowed for our role, depending on state. And then again, authorization of the National Guard to serve as pharmacy technician trainees. And then I think one of the most recent ones that we just had was we're allowing our technicians who are registered in other states to reciprocate into Ohio. Candidates now, as long as they have a pharmacy technician license or registration in another state, and as long as they've actively worked as a technician for at least a year or within the previous three years, they can, you know, come into Ohio 
utilizing their out-of-state licensure. Those are just a few of the changes, but yeah, it's starting to provide a better recognition for the pharmacy technician profession, you know, showing that we are definitely key workers. Just to add on to that for us with Atrium, it's been kind of difficult as we begin to acquire other healthcare systems. So Atrium Health has now grown into Georgia and more into South Carolina. As we continue to look to grow, it's starting to learn those nuances between state to state. And for instance, South Carolina, you have to do CEs to be able to re-register for your state license. And that's different than here in North Carolina, where we don't have to do that. So it's just beginning to learn those changes and those little intricacies within each state. And what the state of North Carolina previously had looked at was potentially moving to where you had to be nationally certified to be able to be a technician in the state of North Carolina. I think what they realized was that was going to create a massive vacuum of teammates that would be eligible to work. I think their hope at the time was to push that for moving the technician role further and being able to do more and potentially pay more to those teammates. But the unintended consequences would have been the loss of a lot of technicians out of the workforce. So these are ever-changing things. Things, obviously, but those are the things that our state's looking at and then adapting to what the other states that our system requires needs are. Another thing that has come up is, you know, in some of these markets, especially Cleveland and Charlotte, you have multiple health systems nearby that are competing for the same technicians. How have you at your institution kind of balanced that competition with your own kind of technician recruitment and retainment? So some of the things we spoke before about kind of leak into this as well with the sign-on bonuses and those things that are out there for teammates to be able to get, that definitely helps. But I think most places have started to take on that strategy. So that's kind of a right hand, left hand as far as recruitment goes. It really, for us, gets down to a culture. People talk and within the world of pharmacy, you're less than six degrees of separation from somebody, whether they're a pharmacist or a technician. So it's trying to raise that culture of hey, this is a place that we want to work for. This is a place that is going to treat me right. And and we use a rewards and recognition committee to really be able to do lunches, celebrate people's birthdays, you know, if somebody's going to retire, we, would they really do a great job of putting something together to show that teammate how much they were cared about. We try to celebrate as many holidays as we can and working with teammates and realizing that their life isn't just work and you got to be flexible a little bit if somebody needs a a last minute day off and hoping that that comes back around to you and that they'll do right by you in the future if you do right by them and it's really just been kind of that working through that culture and also working on the monetary side with trying to raise the cap on the amount of money a technician can make, whether they're for us, a technician one, two, or three, raise the cap on that. We worked with HR on that and Atrium as a whole raised minimum wages. They've done it two or three times over the last three years. And what they also did with that was give bumps to anybody that fit into kind of that range that was anywhere close to that. So that's definitely helped. But really, I think it goes back to culture. You know, and I think competition in healthcare definitely has its perks. You know, it encourages innovation. University hospitals and one of our biggest competitors, Cleveland Clinic, have made the decision to collaborate on efforts to improve the well-being of the communities we serve. So we kind of 
came up with this motto, Stronger Together. They worked together to set up hospital incident command centers. They worked together to create one of the first COVID-19 drive-through testing stations. So it was kind of like, you know, plot twist, you know, we're not competing, but we're going to come together and do what's best for the community. And, you know, this also, I think, helped to kind of retain some of the staffing that they had, because when you're working together, you know, you're not having technicians bouncing from organization to organization if we're, you know, competing on the same level. Definitely agree. And collaboration is very important to ensure that any initiative truly becomes a success. And on that note, uh, we certainly want our firm's technician workforce to feel very valued and appreciated. And one way that institutions are able to not only assist with their fulfillment, but also with their advancement is by instituting firm's technician career ladders. So with that in mind, and oftentimes cross-training being a requirement to become in a more advanced technician role, how do you feel that a firm's technician career ladder may be best optimized with the ongoing? staffing shortages that we've been experiencing? Well, University Hospital, we actually rolled out a pharmacy technician career ladder. It was right before COVID happened. As COVID happened, we kind of saw, you know, like, okay, the rollout of the ladder is kind of taken a backseat. We have now shifted and we want to make sure to provide our technicians, you know, the opportunity to advance in their roles. When view pharmacy tech work as a career versus just a job. So I think by us, even through this, you know, stressful timeframe, pushing forward with the ladder, it allows our techs to be able to, you know, practice at the top of their license, gives them, you know, the flexibility to go into like different avenues in pharmacy, whether, you know, it's oncology or going into, you know, ED or OR fields. It just helps to maintain that interest in the field. While staffing shortages have increased and COVID brought about issues, we try to manage to have monthly technician meetings, one-on-one discussions, just to make sure that we're allowing our staff, you know, the opportunity to develop and continue to grow by pushing the ladder forward. I'd agree totally with everything that Nicole just shared. And what's been difficult, we began to roll out a new career ladder for our technicians. Now, historically, I've been here 18 years, which is hard for me to believe, but at times career ladders can sometimes get subjective. And hey, do we think this teammate's checking the boxes? And we spent a lot of time really trying to make that more formalized as far as, hey, here's exactly what you need to do. Here's the check boxes you need. So we pushed to, to start rolling that out, which is actually going to be rolling out soon. But then we're also having to adapt with how I spoke about those systems that we've acquired and trying to get all of us now on the same page as far as what a career ladder looks like. So it's no different at a Navis or Wake Forest or Atrium Health now that we're all in the same family. So those things are going to be ever-changing as you continue to merge and to acquire. So usually a career ladder comes with more pay as an incentive, as well as you feeling like you've accomplished something. It's that thin line between wanting to make sure you're compensating teammates for their abilities, as also with not making it extremely difficult to be able to achieve, but also make you feel like you did, hey, I achieved something. I moved to a technician two, I moved to a technician three. So it's just kind of making sure you've got that balance and what the check boxes are that you need to go to. And sometimes what I talk to our team about is you don't have to just view 
technician one, two, or three as your ladder, you know, as you get to transition into those OR pharmacies and those high level oncology pharmacies and whatnot, that's a ladder as well. We're deeming you a teammate that is making more difficult decisions and products. And that is a ladder in itself. And I know here we're really big on employee recognition across the organization. We have implemented a program called UH Appreciates, and it just allows our staff, regardless of job title, to you know show manager-to-peer, peer-to-peer appreciation, whether they do that through expression e-cards or there's like little high fives or spot awards. It just really allows the staff to engage and recognize one another just for anything from, you know, hey, thank you for covering that shift to you know, wow, you really did an amazing job on this project. So that's worked really well for us. Yeah, definitely a unique perspective, you know, Nicole from an established ladder and Justin from kind of starting on up. Definitely some good thoughts there. Wanted to talk a little bit about one of the things that was was kind of mentioned here. So I know that Justin and Nicole, you guys have talked about, you know, some of those monetary rewards or monetary things that we've done you know, and signing bonuses and retention bonuses. Could you give us a little more specificity on things that your institutions are doing to kind of reward or recognize technicians in a non-monetary form? Some of this kind of stuff that we touched on, I truly believe that people overthink recognizing a teammate. They, they want to like go way over the top. And sometimes it's a teammate just likes a pat on the back and a thank you. And part of this is learning your team and understanding that everybody's different. Some people want a car to come to work and some people want $10,000 and some people just need a handshake and a thank you. So it's really learning those personalities per se with your team. There's some things that you can do that are across the board. You know, we do monthly birthday cards where every member of leadership signs a birthday card for that teammate that's birthdays in that next month. And that's probably the biggest thing I end up hearing back from is people saying how much they appreciate that. And especially from new teammates that have never gotten one of those from a different facility or different work environment that they were in and how much it meant to them. A lot of times those things using our rewards and recognition committee that I spoke about before to do just little, hey, let's have an ice cream day. And that changed. We used to scoop ice cream for teammates and have leadership do that. But as the pandemics came across, we now hand out ice cream bars. So it's in a wrapping instead of somebody dipping into a bucket. It's those little things. It's just not overthinking it, which I think way too often ends up happening from high levels to all the way down to any leader that just overthink what somebody needs. And I agree with what, you know, Justin says, one of the things that, you know, we do is in our employees onboarding packets, we have a sheet that it's like kind of like a list of favorites, but it also, there is an area where they can document how they prefer to be recognized. You know, some people don't like being called out in a group setting. Some, you know, prefer to have UH appreciates points or whatnot. It definitely gives us like a starting point to learn the personalities, as Justin said, of our employees and see how they wish to be recognized. I think one other thing that we've implemented, which kind of goes along with Justin says as well, is we call it a sunshine committee. And this is a group of pharmacists and technicians who come together and basically just, you know, help organize, whether it be to recognize birthdays or if someone's going through, you know, a death in the family. This committee just kind of sprinkles a little bit of sunshine on the morale within the department. 
certainly love the idea of the Sunshine Committee. And thank you so much, Justin Nicole, for sharing what has been able to be a success at your institutions for making staff members feel valued and certainly um, avoiding burnout and with everything going on. It is also important to recognize um, all of our successes that we've had and all of the positive changes that we've had at our institutions that have been highlighted throughout today's conversation. What do you feel have been accomplishments or changes at your institutions that you and your firm's team members are most proud of since the pandemic has started? Well, I think COVID-19, it, yes, it definitely brought about a lot of challenges within a very short period of time. But it also helped me as a leader to also hone in and look and see the successes and achievements in our department and in our organization. Before COVID, I definitely knew that university hospitals, it's full of incredibly trained professionals. But during COVID, I was actually able to see pharmacists from our organization, pharmacy technicians. They perform frontline duties, but actually start to receive the recognition. For instance, you know, seeing technical staff helping to manage sufficient medication supplies to all of the ICU patients just by monitoring critical drug shortages, it was just really kind of like an aha moment, like, oh, this is something great out of something bad. Yeah, and I definitely look at this in two different ways. The company that we work for, Atrium, I couldn't be more proud of what they did for teammates through this. And you had to adapt so fast because it was ever-changing since March of 20, I believe. And they moved mountains to be able to look out for teammates and make sure everybody was being tested properly, making sure everybody felt comfortable and safe, whether that meant N95s for teammates or anything on top of that, getting vaccinated once we had a vaccine. So the rollout of that was pretty seamless, I felt like. So I was super proud of that. And then within our own department for our hospital that teeters on about a thousand beds, we were able throughout this to switch to a cartless model from a cart fill model. And that was a monumental task of completely switching out our omnicells, which we have, and doubling the amount that we have, getting those filled, getting them correct, getting them up to the floor, switching them out. So doing that and then just recently transitioning to Epic as our platform from Cerner, just unbelievable job. And again, what I spoke about moving mountains before, I mean, I couldn't be more proud of our team, our organization, just everybody on down from the things that we've been able to accomplish throughout this. Thank you so much for sharing all the great accomplishments at your institutions. And one of the key words that I heard was team. So definitely highlights how all of us contribute to make, you know, each initiative a success. And it wouldn't be possible without all that camaraderie and collaboration with each other. Well, that is all the time that we have today. We'd like to sincerely thank Justin Wingy and Nicole DeWorth for joining us today to discuss the emerging needs and future directions of health system farm technician practice. Please find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading farms to enterprises and teams and practice management on the ASHP website. Thank you all for joining us and be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast channel. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.